Hello, Internet. I'm Matt and stuff. Excellent. And I'm Shannon and stuff. You're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be unearthing deep cuts and forgotten stories in Spider-Man lore. Our goal is to find these lost gems and share them with you as we discover what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. That's right. And this time... We've got one for you. This is, in my opinion, a true hidden gem, a whole deal, and it is Spider-Man Missing in Action, which covers Web of Spider-Man 16, 17, 18, Spectacular 117, and Amazing Spider-Man 279. All right, so... So many. So for the Web of Issues, the writer was David Michelini? Is that how you say it? Or Michelini. Yeah, Michelini. He he gets good tire deals. Uh, He does. (laughs) Penciling Mark Silvestri. uh, Inking on 16 and 18 is Kyle Baker, but on 17 it was Vince Coletta. And then uh, coloring across them all is Bob Sharon. And (laughs) lettering is Rick Parker. And then Jim Olsley and Adam Balston were editing. So there you go. (laughs) Good work spectacular it was peter david writing and can you tell uh rich buckler and Dwayne churner penciling and army of inkers uh colorist of nelson yotimov and more letters than seems sane to put on a book i (laughs) i feel like they all wrote five letters each yeah i don't there's so many and i i have some opinions about lettering in comics but i i've never understood the need for like i understand sometimes something happens you have to pass it off so there's two but wow four yeah (laughs) (laughs) but there are four inkers too but yeah Oh, and I mean, obviously, the editors across all these books are the same. Um, um, An amazing writing, Tom DeFalco, penciling, Rick Lombardi, inker, Vince Coletta, colorist, Bob Sharon, letter, Joe Rosen, who, you know, is one of those ones on Spectacular. I just, yeah. So we're talking about an army of creative, but this is back in the day where I I didn't feel like you could tell as such because it still is pretty much in the house style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like you can tell it's Silvestri's work versus uh, Leonardi's work, but it's still very close to the house style where it's not as striking as what you see today. Right. And for an extra little tickle, most of these comics came out pretty much the month I was born. Oh, yeah. So, so these are Exciting. old comics. What old ish? Ancient. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> do you want to? Or uh, before we get there, um, if you're looking for this, the best way is to just get them physically. Web of sixteen, seventeen, and spectacular, and ASM for these all float around eight bucks. Um, but Web of eighteen is considered a minor key, and that's because. I mean, spoilers, but it's unrelated to the rest of the story, so not really. Um, It's technically a first appearance of Venom. It's that moment where the hand comes out and shoves Peter. So I believe that's the reason. Um, Yeah. These are not collected in a trade. Only the amazing Mm -hmm. issue is on Comixology and Marvel Unlimited. So these are not easy to come by. Uh, (laughs) They are not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i mean the reason this wasn't much of a pull for me is i mean and you can find these i'd suggest this if you're looking at collecting b title spider-man 
I just bought WebOf as like a product on eBay and I just got the whole thing, one kid and caboodle. It was like, you know, a couple hundred. But when you compare pricing it to like doing it issue by issue or whatever, it's much better. <laughs> and uh, yeah, made my life a lot easier. I, I like collecting comics, but anymore, it's just like, you know, just sell me the thing and I want to read it more than I want to collect it. Hot take. So can can you try to summarize this trades worth of comics we have in front of us? Well, we'll, we'll go with the beginning. So okay. J. Jonah Jameson drafts Peter Parker for an assignment in Virginia covering a labor strike at a factory. And he and Joy Mercado arrive to find out that there's much more at play than what they thought more along the lines of world domination. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, as events occur, we, we learn that Peter Parker never has a fun time when he leaves New York City. Uh, he ends up getting trapped down there and goes missing. And we have the two issues from Spectacular and Amazing Spider-Man that cover essentially what it's like with no Spider-Man in the city. Um, to varying degrees of success, I would say. And of course, then we finish with finding out what happened to Peter after he went missing or during the time he was missing rather right um something that's funny um the the parts where spider-man is missing is really that spectacular and amazing issue in web of we could just kind of glaze over it i just thought it was kind of a funny setup that's like they're assuming you're buying every one of these books yes and web of he's missing for all of half a page so right which i mean if you're picking up any of these books you're obviously picking up web of of course (laughs) We wouldn't all be confused. <laughs> so, yeah, we start off things in Web 16. I mean, that setup is more or less the issue, right? Um, but but we have some fun. Uh, we get a little bit of this uh, ne'er-do-well setup in Virginia. Well, I, I want to touch on briefly beforehand that Peter going through laundry day and ending up in a strawberry shortcut t-shirt. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> delightful. Yeah, yeah. He, uh... I, it's a bad day for Peter. He's caught, in the, he's caught in the cold rain. He's catching a cold. He's trying to deal with his laundry. He's dealing with crappy pictures. He's running around in his whitey tighties. I, I will say, I feel like Peter Parker's life got better once he switched to boxers. It just feels like things were lighter in those times. Yes. <laughs> but I do like the sort of office environment that he works in like i can imagine in my own work life that if i showed up in a strawberry shortcake t-shirt i would get the same kind of ribbing that he does and he doesn't take it quite as good natured but it's definitely like people like him he's not happy to be the the joke but you know it is good humored yeah it is and what's funny to me is robinson's like blind to it (laughs) yeah i i don't think anything surprised he's seen so much (laughs) It's not and like even that's... okay, <laughs> <laughs> and and Jameson is kind of like like he's way with like when he wants to get Peter, he wants to get him really good. He doesn't like to go for low hanging fruit, so he just sort of like makes a a joke about it. But it's so benign compared to what everyone else is saying. Well, it is, and what's funny is part of it is because Jameson's being sweet on Peter because he needs him because this is the introduction of Now Magazine. I mean, 
it seems kind of goofy now, but in the time, like this is them taking the moment and these kind of trendy, you know, news magazines are really pretty hip. This is things moving forward. This is Spider-Man reflecting the times. This is also web of kind of separating itself from the pack by giving us more J. Jonah and Joy Mercado is going to be here, this now magazine idea. It's just really... I don't know, it's kind of a big moment for the comic that isn't so relevant anymore, but seeing it, I was like, oh, wow, here we are. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I I liked it, too. And I like, you know, now Peter goes out on assignment for this and it does give it a, something that separates it from the other uh, lines that were being published at the time. It does. And my favorite bit is Peter doesn't want to do this job immediately, but basically what right after peter refuses jameson sneers this is a job and peter looks down at the strawberry shortcake shirt and is like <laughs> you have a point <laughs> and that's what it takes and it's it's a rare moment of peter actually doing a responsible adult thing as peter parker i yeah. appreciated that yeah and I, I mean he flies off in style like jameson sends off sends him off on a, a private plane yep. to fly down you know it's it's pretty adulting it is and what's kind of funny to me is i looked up roughly where this would be there i couldn't find a temple corners virginia but i found a temple virginia and assumed that was roughly the area it's like a four-hour drive from where they are but it's like a two-hour flight i was kind of surprised that they flew like <laughs> usually jameson's a penny pincher so that seemed odd to me it wasn't much time savings but there you go well i, I imagine he's launching his his magazine so maybe it's that's part of the reporting that goes into it is the, the sort of flashier upscale uh approach maybe that's the market he's targeting that's fair so yeah they end up <clears throat> in the town and uh everything seems fine there's no protest at the at the temp at, not the temple, at the at the manufacturing site they go into town everyone has really nice stuff for a, a very poor town they kind of talk down virginia a little bit here like all these people should be poor yet they have this nice stuff i mean they're from new york city i mean as much as we want to think of peter as a good guy <laughs> he's still you know elitist a little <laughs> and uh the the townsfolk are not welcoming they don't want anyone prying into their affairs and as they escape they run into a woman whose child has been kidnapped mm-hmm and we find out that her child is like special needs uh, insofar as he seems to be autistic and uh, a savant when it comes to numbers. Which is, so he, <laughs> yeah. It's a little Rain Man. They like taps like someone watched Rain Man and was like, I need this for a story. Yeah, it felt a little, I don't know, of, I guess of the time, but it felt a little, it wouldn't be handled this way today, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah, it's a little... It, it didn't age as well as I imagine they hoped. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Anyways, they're all taken prisoner. And uh, Peter, and he's learning a lot in this issue. He uh, reflects back on uh, the Gene DeWolf story and uh, remembers when he jumped out of the way, allowed bystanders to be killed when he dodged a shotgun blast. So rather than fight around a crowd of people, he allows himself and the two women to be taken prisoner to an underground uh, layer of sorts. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where they find out. Well, he gets into some fisticuffs. He does the, the usual thing of, if I run down this side tunnel and come back as Spider-Man, no one will realize we're one in the same person. 
<laughs> it's funny because we've read some other the travel stories recently, and this is. I feel like this is the most ham-fisted this has been handled. Like, normally he takes a little more care to worry about his secret identity. This felt very, you know, run into the phone booth, come back out. No one is the wiser. It seems a little odd. It is. He he reflects momentarily. He's like, I should be in New York City. Like, that's where Spider-Man is. So if I jump down there, but then if I wait and they get, something happens to somebody because I didn't act, then, you know, it wouldn't be worth it. So he's like, I'm just going to Spider-Man way my way in. And Joy's like, oh, okay, Spider-Man's here. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I that's a little odd. I, I think it's funny that, you know, he has this thought, but, you know, he's carried the suit with him, like, well, if I need it. But if you're thinking that far ahead, why not just bring, like, you know, a black jumpsuit and the web shooters or something? At least there's some plausible deniability there. Yeah, he's just going for it. Yeah, I, I think yeah. the reason why they don't worry about that too much is still like, well, it's a Spider-Man comic. The kids got to see Spider-Man. We got to fit it in. So it's like the editorial requirement. So and it ends essentially with uh, his fight with this guy named Magma, who's bent on world domination, which I was, you know, I was thinking about it. Like, imagine if he is successful and then he has world domination and then, you know, Galacticus shows up or any one of the things that happened that is going to destroy the world. Then it's his responsibility. I don't think he's thought this through. I will look at this guy. Okay. The end of the <laughs> issue has a full page spread with Spider-Man cowering in terror in front of this hulking man who has these armbands that are covered in spikes this like thick belt this magnificent glistening codpiece and boots that are you know above the knee and this mega man like gun you know this is a guy who is prepared for a great number of things he's all terrain i i think there's more behind this magma guy than we're giving him credit for I'm just saying I don't think he's thought too far into the future. <laughs> he's not a man of thinking. He's a man of action. He's the kind of person true. we need to, you know, give a little more leeway to. Anyways, uh, <laughs> this is some villain for Marvel team up that was Iron Man and Spider-Man fighting him out. I, he, he doesn't have a long career. No, he doesn't. I think it's the, the, the thigh high boots, though. So. He's got a lot. He's got not a long career, but long boots and uh, a, a sense of fashion. Yeah, I mean, this guy is a looker. He is. He walks into a room, people notice. Yeah. So, yeah, extended fight. Mm -hmm. Everyone's trying to get out. From. They blow everything up. And. <laughs> When we're talking about them going into this underground base, like everything up until that point seemed relatively realistic for a Spider-Man comic. But once we enter this underground lair, it goes full comic book. This underground lair is like a city, a futuristic city underground, <laughs> uh, kidnapping people for their various needs and whatnot, all funded by Roxon. And I don't know, it's, it's pretty wild. It's almost hard to follow because there's no access of reality or really anything else that we've seen that connects to this it's a whole deal it is and they have this poor kid in the middle of it and i guess his his thing is like mathematical equations but mathematical equations to what effect you're not really told he just knows how to do math 
yeah, he's able to translate the data between like the satellites and the point where something's going to explode to calculate energy projection or something. They, yeah, like you said, they don't really go into it. But effectively, he's this kind of like supercomputer before I guess these guys had access to that kind of a supercomputer. It's 86, so I mean, computers aren't out of bounds. It's kind of odd. It is. And I'll stand by the fact that this kid, his dialogue, his actions are all like they seem appropriate for his age. So I'm not sure where the uh, channeling the the savant aspects or the special needs aspect is. But he likes math, so he can't be trusted. He calls him Spidey Man. I think that's mm. I call him Spidey Man sometimes. Same here. We're all special needs. Then. OK, so can't argue that. <laughs> So uh, Peter realizes, you know, after getting into a fight with Magma and everyone's sort of being put in danger as a result of it, that it's maybe better for him to take the approach of being Peter Parker Mm -hmm. and allowing himself to be captured and confusing the heck out of Joy while he's at it. What I liked about this issue, though, for that is when he's Peter Parker running around the hall, like getting the jump on some guy. It's still these very dynamic pages. It's still fun action. It's just Peter Parker in a tie and jeans, not a Peter Parker. Oddly enough, he's way more effective than when he is as Spider-Man. So he's in here unlocking doors and just punching people, but not, you know, needing to throw them 20 feet. He's like very effective. And then he and Joy have some some team up stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. And they, they rescue the mom and the kid and they start to escape. But uh, Peter does a fake fall down a hole so that he can go back and deal with uh, the bad guys as Spider-Man. Now that the innocent people are safe. Yeah, Magma Man. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's like they pick up the fight from where they left off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like they had a little bit of a, a recess and now we're back. And part of it is just to raise the stakes. So essentially the place is coming down while they're fighting and, you know, people are shooting at each other rather than focusing on surviving. No. Yeah. Everything starts to catch fire because the guy (laughs) guy is magma. Yeah. (laughs) He's around delicate machinery. And he's shooting magma magma. blasts out of his magma (laughs) can. Like you said, this guy isn't thinking ahead. No, he's very much in the now, like now magazine. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the kid runs off. He's worried about Peter. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spider-Man. Joy gets some. Yeah. Well, well, he's worried about Peter because he doesn't. Because he doesn't know he's Spider-Man, but like. Right. He's yeah. he's. yeah, he can't. He has these special needs. He hasn't figured it out. <laughs> um, just like our reporter. Just like our reporter. Uh, Although I have to say, Joy has some awesome shots here of her with a machine gun, like shooting at people. Uh, (laughs) And uh, then Spider-Man comes in and saves the kid, gets him to safety as everything sort of blows up around them. Right. But he kind of throws the kid to Joy and his mom and then falls back down the hole. Only this time the fall was not intentional. <laughs> That's fair. Sort of like I just bonking all the way down. I don't understand why he didn't just jump to the other wall at that point. Like, it would make more sense if it was anyone but Spider-Man. But for Spider-Man, it's safer for him to just get to that wall, climb up it. Because that's... Like, all he had to do was, like, touch 
yeah. the, the, the side of the ground with his fingers and he wouldn't have gone anywhere. Well, you can, know what I mean? Well, he can touch anywhere with his body. Yeah. <laughs> but said he just sort of like somersaults all the way down. Yeah. Which, again, doesn't make sense. He's super sticky. Like, stop your fall. You're Spider-Man. <laughs> it's like you forgot his powers for five minutes. <laughs> he does that sometimes. Yeah. All right. His powers are very, like, plot-motivated. <laughs> I think... I, I've heard your argument for the spider sense that makes sense, but the stick in the walls doesn't... It doesn't jive with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, everything explodes. And we see the, the shreds of his costume out on the rocks outside. And everyone wondering, everyone wondering what happened to Peter. Well, it's really just joy, isn't it? <laughs> Joy wondering what happened to Peter, but like while she's sipping some coffee yeah. under a blanket. Well, well, I mean, it's a it's a first aid cart, so she's under the blanket because she's supposed to be in there getting something like that's a response for someone who's just gone through a traumatic thing, but doesn't have, you know, visible signs of injury they can cure. It's, it's supposed to be calming and, you know, bring it down. Uh, but yeah, I it's there. Like you said, there's the shattered clothing and where is Peter Parker? And this page is reprinted in every issue we're going to read until the last one so yeah i that's uh <laughs> that that's our setup for him missing and then we get these two lovely issues of him missing and we have the black cat issue and then the silver sable issue all the blondes they're the ones who are worried they have more fun they do so let's start with the black cat dr strange a little bit here yes we have her her new costume which she had this for like a hot second, I want to say. It's not even on the cover. <laughs> no, it's everyone likes the old black one with the white fur trim. So this very 80s one doesn't quite get the same play. Well, I mean, this costume is not good. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's got shoulder pads. It's like it's ultra 80s shoulder pads. Domino mask. Hair. Yes. Mullet style of hair. <laughs> yeah white leggings yep. or is it a white onesie and then she just has a jacket over it yeah okay yeah with gold spikes yeah yeah it's mm. not not channeling the same energy no it's not good um but she's breaking into dr strange's sanctum sanctorum as she's done recently <laughs> but i think this issue is a bit more magical like, she breaks in the window, and then she's immediately blown out, which is like, oh yeah, magic. <laughs> well, she keeps trying to get back in. Like, she spends the whole time, and it's always a different effect. Right. So, and we're also following this uh, kid. Like, this this issue is very much, like, connective tissue for uh, the upcoming arc. Right. So. And we have um, a little this... moment with uh, Robinson, or the Robinsons, and uh, Randy's and Randy. wife. Yep. Who's white uh, and that's who's not. white and that uh and, and sort of talking about the difficulties of, of interracial couples and stuff like that. So trying to be, I they say, present for the time. It's a lot of these little bits coming together, but it, it kind of shows like if you give one of these issues every now and again, it sets up the world and the space so that when we come back to dealing with Spider-Man and his problems, there's all this other stuff happening and it makes it feel more it makes the world feel more lived in because it's not 
revolving around one person. Oh yeah, uh, he is. I would say less on people's thoughts in this issue than in the one with Silver Sable. Mm-hmm. But in both, he's not really required. And it's funny because this removal of the main protagonist is a it's a device used in serialized stories. I don't even really think it's a trope. It's just a tool in the writer's box. Um, but because it can be used to any degree or end, it's it doesn't fit what a trope is. So just, just this idea of pulling through. And these two issues really are just stuff without spider-man there's very little bit about the idea that spider-man's missing because most of these people wouldn't notice if spider-man's gone for a week or not because he's not that present in their lives yeah um probably one of the more striking things for me in this issue is this little boy who i guess was playing in his father's lab and got the powers to sort of incinerate things and he ended up incinerating his dad who was abusive Mm -hmm. um and mom who's torn up because both of them are now missing obviously dad's missing for well dad's not missing he's just not in the same form as he was before (laughs) and her son is missing because he ran away because of what happened Mm -hmm. and she's got and she's just like she doesn't know what to do and she sort of lambasts herself for being you know not standing up for herself or for her son against her husband and just resorts to doing what she always does which is cleaning and she ends up vacuuming up the ashes of her husband and doesn't even realize it yeah so some dark stuff in this we get introduced or reintroduced i guess to the foreigner who pops in yes he's he is having some fun. Yeah, this is uh, a Peter David character. You can just tell right off the bat. He's swarmy. He's he's talking like kind of out of churn, I guess, because he comes in this room into a booby trapped room to try to get to the black cat, and he's like, "Oh, this is so easy," because like four darts are coming at him, and he just holds up a little metal rod and dispatches them. And I I don't know. He's basically talking to this axe flying by his head, you know, like, ah, there's the switch and fixes himself a drink. He's very swarmy. He's very British, I'd say. Oh, heavily. Like when they say foreigner, they he's able to make him feel like a foreigner without actually having to say it out loud. Well, just through the way he's talking, the way he's regarding everything. He just doesn't feel he feels out of place for the area. Yeah, he's. He's a character. <laughs> he is. And uh, eventually, uh, Black Cat, she's uh, mm-hmm. really, really trying to get into the Sanctum. And uh, we have uh, Doctor Strange finally, you know, through an astral projection, confronting her and wanting to talk to her about she's she's upset with him because her powers got turned wonky because of what he did. Right. And he wants to explain to her, you know, what her powers are now and like what they'll evolve into and everything. And she wants none of it because I think she was hoping in the situation to gain some power. She wanted to invade his space and sort of like gain control or power in the situation. And he was just not having any of it, but not in a like aggressive way. It's just like, it was just beyond her to try and seize that. And so when he's confronting her and wanting to talk to her about how he affected her powers, she just leaves because that's not why she came there. She came there to put him on edge and not be put on edge herself. Mm-hmm. I, there's a couple touches in here that I liked. Um, one is this one guy sees her when she's talking to the astral projection. He can't see it all. Just drug addict. Hope she jumps. It's like, oh, okay. Thanks, random New Yorker. That's how I imagine New York. 
<laughs> just just salty. Yeah. And uh, when talking about her powers, and she's like, "Did I become a mutant? A mutant? No, nothing so cliched, you know." <laughs> just <laughs> shots fired. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> so she's just uh, yeah. She's she didn't come there to be uh, advised on anything or anything like that. She came there to to put him on edge, and he's just like. I don't understand. Like I was just trying to help her out and she just wanted to run off. Mm. Uh, and then she comes back to a, a situation where she was trying to invade his space. She then finds her space invaded by a foreigner since that's where he went. So he went into the room and it was her own apartment. And now she's dealing with him and she's without her, I would say bad luck powers. He definitely has her outmaneuvered. Right. And because uh, he can teleport, I guess. I'm not sure. Like, it's a little vague. It's it. it the, I think it tried to paint it that his his skills, whether or not they're supernatural or just that much above hers. Mm -hmm. And so the only one who would really have much uh, an easy an easier time fighting him would be someone like Spider-Man, who has the spider sense that reflexes the speed. And then we uh, catch up with this kid who's on the street and some creeper tries to put him in a in a hearse. A car. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, he lights them up. Yeah. He doesn't feel as bad about that one, though. No. I, also, if you're going to be... Like, this guy has, like, one heck of a mustache, a big shady hat, a trench coat. Like, he looks conspicuous. <laughs> I just think about Peter in the, net, in the, in the, the last issue of Web, where he's just wearing a trench coat. So, I'm like, oh, about as conspicuous huh? mm -hmm. as that comes up. Uh... But yeah, he like sets everything on fire. Uh, the power station goes up on accident right. and causes a, a citywide blackout. And this is only like minutes after what happened with Black Cat, supposedly. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, everything sort of all the stories sort of tie together with the blackout. So uh, resolution comes between Randy and Joe Robertson about uh, Randy's elopement with this woman. Uh, who really doesn't have much say or anything to do here just she exists yeah. she just throws out there she's jewish so yeah well i okay. mean that's not gonna help anything <sighs> no well, not with that fight uh <laughs> and then and then this this second round of the fight between black cat and the foreigner is kind of interesting because you can really see the effort black cat's putting in he's just brushing away her attacks and yeah. then hits her and knocks her out a window which Attack of a hit. Yeah. But then they sit down and have some wine. And he discusses that he likes her. And she has the hair color he likes. And I, I honestly think that this is more Black Hat speed. If he had started with this, then there would have been no fight at all. But uh, right. that he's like, this is the kind of thing that Black Hat likes to do. She likes to be around, you know, people who like, like, find fun in uh upsetting norms and then drink wine you know like that's her shtick so the fact that he wants to uh, destroy spider-man for reasons and she's pretty pissed off at peter for her own reasons that they then come to a an agreement that they're they're willing to enact this plan which we will see later so again like this is like connective tissue between arcs so uh right and we move to Amazing Spider-Man 279 again, which to me really felt like a tryout for Silver Sable 
uh, getting her own series, which happened not too long after this. Yeah, it's a, a well, the other one is sort of the connected tissue, and it's it's interesting. This one feels like more like a story with a beginning and an ending. Yeah. And so following Sable. It's like a backdoor pilot. <laughs> yes. Like, what do you guys think? And I think it's executed well. It, it feels like, even though Spider-Man's obviously not in it, it feels kind of like a Spider-Man story and what she deals with, except it's in her own style. Mm-hmm. So people, you know, doing terrible things in the city, like it involves like a, a, a liquor store robbery, sort of or a convenience store robbery or bodega, whatever. And her hunting down the people responsible. Um, right. Because these people kill this kid's mom like right in front of her. And she's so just kind of caught up in the moment. She's even thinking about it while she's doing it. Like there's no profit here i haven't been hired to do this but you know i'm i can't let it go basically yeah but we kind of gloss over how they killed the cashier too i would say yeah well nobody cares about essential workers is what we've learned <laughs> if there's anything we've learned over the past year that is true <laughs> uh so yeah i mean she's she's doing her thing you know putting down people um and jack-o'-lantern which man he is a like i'm gonna say it, he's like a low-rent goblin Oh yeah, he doesn't have a glider. He has a pogo board. <laughs> it's a I every time I see him, I think of that '90s toy, the pogo ball, uh-huh. and I think that's just he just painted one gold and has just been bouncing around on one. I mean, this is a little more heavy duty than that. <laughs> it's a nefarious bouncy ball. <laughs> well, what's funny too with Sable dealing with these guys in the car and whatnot is like she's closer to batman than spider-man like it's a lot more in your face action she has to be faster and more reactive and you know hit harder to to deal with it because she can't just dodge a bullet right like she has to deal with the problem before they shoot the gun but she's effective enough to get that all done so it's interesting she's also has all these resources at her disposal and her little tool belt with her silver wings i don't know yeah (laughs) veterans sable uh uh. she calls them chai which is like tea yeah so her her (laughs) maybe that's a thing but yeah she flips out a window into the sports car and (laughs) yeah it's very batman-esque yeah Uh, so definitely uh, you know she gets in there and and is fighting these sort of run-of-the-mill goons bag- yeah goons and then jack-o'-lantern learning that she's out on her own is like uh, i'm gonna get back at her so i'm gonna bring all my goons and we're just gonna have a goon fest <laughs> well and my favorite bit is he tries to like squish her under the pogo ball thing and she basically just kicks it up into the ceiling and then he cracks his back and that gets him to back <laughs> off for a while it just <laughs> But I feel like that's what Jack O'Lantern, he's just always like, he jumps in there and then when things don't go right, he's like, oh, I gotta bounce on out of here. Yeah, he, he's he been killed, right? Like, did the Punisher just like shoot him at this point? I would feel like that would need to happen. But yeah, this is like, like we're in between goblins, so we have Jack O'Lantern. I, I think it's like we want kind of a nefarious, obvious bad guy, but I don't want to use, you know, some of the tentacles or symbiotes or whatever yeah have we used the white rabbit recently no jack and later there we go that's a good yes do him there's a burner villain it'll probably become a miles Mm. villain when they find a way to amp him up a little bit i mean he wasn't bad he was pretty armored so anytime like peter would punch him he would just like he would fly off but he'd still at least be protected but 
He's like he's very B list. C list. Um uh, yeah, okay. and then Silver throws a propane tank which blasts off his pumpkin helmet. <laughs> then he's like, Alright, I'm leaving now. <laughs> Once I lose the pumpkin head, I am out. Yeah. Bounce out of here. Keep that Goodbye. mystery alive. Who is the Jack Lantern? <laughs> you know who the Jack and Lantern would be perfect for? Frogman. Oh my gosh, they could have little bouncing <laughs> fights. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that needs to happen. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at that point, the issue's basically over. Yes, and uh, Sable feels good about herself. Some of the, the mercenaries that had been with Jack-O-Lantern were uh, high-value targets, so she, she made her money. I like her as a businesswoman, to be honest. I like that she's like, we're going to do things, but always stay on budget. We're going to be earning a profit doing this. Right. I I also enjoyed uh, the fact that this ties into where we go the next issue with the Sinister Syndicate and like this weird dynamic between Silver Sable and Spider-Man that's not, it's not something like fated to be thing. It's very much written in there and it's a great way to kind of examine how kind of bizarre the whole superhero idea is. Like Peter Parker's broke and if he just would, you know, give up a little bit of his you know well, like I, high moral standing he could he could still do a lot and he could still do some pro bono but he could also do some good and you know i really feel like sable i'm sure she's done things that were not above bar oh definitely that is a huge but, part of her character yes yeah but that they could have agreement he could work for her i mean she can't be any more below bar than tony stark is half the time so oh, yeah. well and honestly was... the puma was fairly honorable for the most part and yeah so i mean come on peter but yeah she puts ads out in this and gets no response because guess what spider-man is missing it's true and we see what happened in issue 18 which is one of the most wild comics i have ever read it is it is nuts <laughs> so we open with um mj you know worrying about peter parker fretting about the the house cleaning up wiping up stuff with a rag while she's in her high heels G- good for her i don't know definitely sylvestri was drawing this that's what i got from it <laughs> And then Peter just shows up in the doorway with, like, just the uh, spider thong on and then, like, a trench coat. Yeah, I know they're, little, they're like, little shorts. They're, they're like, short shorts, hot pants. He's got little spider hot pants and a trench coat. Go, go, and he spider looks, web. He's, he looks so tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they get him a shower. She makes him some coffee. He talks about how he'll be needing to wear the black suit for a while because his red and blue one blew up <laughs> still has the shorts <laughs> and then he has one damage web shooter that he needs to fix up so it's this whole deal and he starts talking about like oh yeah so he did that thing with magma we've all seen that okay although the way it's drawn here in this like sepia tone against magma's blast being like this brilliant yellow is actually more interesting from a comic book standpoint than the actual issue Oh yeah, I I would say that Sylvester has his moments where like things just look really good. Mm-hmm. Other times where like he's just drawing the panel, but this like pops. The the colorist also made it pop. It was nice. And then when Spider Man wakes up, he's above ground. There's some people like looking, but I'm confused because he fell down the hole. How do you end up above ground? I, I he got blasted. You look at the other one. The, the negative space was him going above ground. 
Yeah, I guess they kind of retconned that. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. He's outside now. Yeah. That's the whole point. Like, he's outside. He's in his shredded clothes. Mm-hmm. He finds this farmer who he steals a trench coat from. Yeah. And he, and tries... he sheds everything but his little short shorts. Yep. Then he hitchhikes with the trucker without much uh, problem. So yeah, I think that like these people blasted like he he was trying for hours to get, and I think if he had just shown a little leg up front, he would have gotten a ride much faster. <laughs> well, that there's implications. <laughs> well, how much does he want to get home? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, he uh he 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 finds himself in an alley where there's a pie cooling in the windowsill and he <laughs> climbs up to steal the pie but he gets caught in the reflection of this lady's teapot <laughs> and, and then he's and he just like he's caught and he doesn't even leave the alley he just takes the pie and sits back down in the alley so then the lady calls the cops and he's still there which if he's this hungry you know he's part way through the pie which means this cop shows up in literal minutes that's an insane response time <laughs> there was nothing else happening in the town so well, that's true um and basically he's like i could escape this but she's just offered me a bunk <laughs> yeah he's like i i won't sleep so bad <laughs> <laughs> i want a nap so he goes he claims his name is uh jonah jameson <laughs> <laughs> yeah joe jameson and uh, he scares off the other bad people in prison by crushing a uh, steel pipe, iron pipe, something. Yeah, like on the on the bed. So the the the, the pole that makes the bed a bunk bed. He's he crushes one of them, which I feel like is a bad idea because then maybe the bed on top might fall on him. Eh. But he gets his point across, which is when they want to essentially create a pecking order for him. He says, "Oh, I'm at the top of this pecking order, so leave me alone." Um, yeah. And they do. But by doing that, he catches the attention of one of the sheriffs. Who, who uh, looks like a villain. <laughs> yeah, they, they they wanted to set that up early. And uh, instead of going to the... He didn't get any sleep because people kept moving around and setting off his spider sense. So one of the times when he actually listens to his spider sense, it kept him from sleeping. Yeah. So they then pull him off the truck to go do manual labor and send him to another location. Yeah, this rich guy's fat palatio Hollywood estate. I don't know. Yeah, he's got this... Yeah, it looks it looks a little like the White House. <laughs> it's... So he goes to the White House, right? it's this super rich thing this guy's like i love games look at all this and it's like pinball and some 80s arcade pool whatever he's like you know what game i love the most the most dangerous game except it's amped up so this guy has this it's a flying saucer with like six machine guns on it (laughs) it vaguely reminds me of the incredibles where they were out in the on the island and the uh Oh, yeah. Whatever his name. So it's like that, but it's like a saucer, but it's missing the center, and it has, like, this little binocular camera thing on top of it. Yeah, that's how they view it with the computer, which... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) just... (laughs) So Peter's like... inventive. Yeah, Peter's like, well, I gotta stop this thing, but I can't do too much, because then they'll know I'm Spider-Man. So he flings some mud at it from a... What? Pond? Bottom of a pond, yeah. Yeah. And busts it down. Because, you know, they can't see him do it once he flings the mud on the camera. So, yeah, that's and all good. 
The, the look of disappointment on the on the rich man's face. Who's wearing an army helmet with four stars on it at this point? Yes. Uh, and the the I didn't catch her name. The lady, well, the, the lady, the lady here. sheriff. Yeah, the lady sheriff that that originally arrested Peter shows up because she knows something's off. A foot, um, I believe the term is. Ah, uh, yes, something's afoot because she's a detective now. Uh, comes along and gets captured, and then Peter shows up and starts just punching his way through bad guys. Yeah, no one's gonna notice. <laughs> and so she sends him on his way and he has this trench coat his ratatat thing and he's able to ride a bus and then walk home well she she doesn't let him keep the prison clothes it's sad she's like okay well here's your trench coat and your little short shorts <laughs> which she <laughs> doesn't connect town. anything I... no and she's like just get out of town you're you saved my life but i'm gonna need you to to be out of this county by sundown <laughs> yeah uh and literally from there we get two little pages where Peter's going back to work the next day and then someone shoves him into the subway. It's it's really tacked on. Yeah. What a ride. What a ride, yes. Full of action. Uh, any, I don't know, overview thoughts or on this one? Uh, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I, I'll give it that. And it's different from most of the story arcs of the time. You know, him going to someplace else in the United States, someplace like Virginia. Probably a few stereotypes they might have drilled down in too far. But uh, but it was a lot of fun to see him out and about doing stuff and trying to find his way back and uh, how the city sort of runs when he's not in it. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's a good time. <laughs> it is. <laughs> So, do you think it's worth Peter leaving New York City? No, I, I think he should never leave New York City. I think that he should, say, or at the very least, plan a costume for wherever he's going so that he's not immediately, oh, it's Spider-Man, you know. I don't think he could do the black leotard, though, because he has a costume that's a black leotard, so I think he needs to go pick another color. Pink. Pink. He's kind of had that one, too. Like, he needs to just... He'll find something, I'm sure. What's the pink but one? What? That one that he uh, that he soaked, I forget, in what chemical, and it got faded, and then it was, like, pink and light blue. I don't remember this. It's one of my favorites. And he didn't have anything else to wear, so he was just swinging around as the pastel Spider-Man for, like, a whole issue. It was great. Nice. All right. So, we have this... <laughs> this block of highs and lows of... A little bit of retconning in the middle of the story, a little bit of a weird setup with magma, these fun little aside things, but I, I think this is fun, but I don't think this is atop the list because it's a lot of disparate elements that's that's a touch of setup. It's it's fun, but it's not anything definitive or anything anyone needs to read before another uh, chunk of I'm other the, I I think in the web of rankings I would put it in Around the 40s, maybe. Oh, wow. That's... 35? 40. 40? Okay, yeah. Okay, so let's see here. Yeah, like, see below here. 40. Like, it doesn't have to go above 40. Okay, well, so I'm looking at uh, 38, and I don't know if you've read mm. this, which is Thunderbolts 28 and 29, which was touching on the Green Goblin at that time and that whole area, which is a story without Spider-Man. Uh, mm. Have you read that? Maybe that's not a good I idea. don't think I have. All right. Um, is there anything else a little more specific to put it so we can, you know, Duke? Um, 
Let me see here. It's hard for me to try and remember some of these from off of the titles. Oh, here's one. Um, the Puma and the Honeymoon, in where Spider-Man travels and is dealing with money issues and is kind of confronted with the Puma about being paid to do this job that he ultimately rejects, despite wanting mm -hmm. to be more fiscally sound. I feel like there's themes of that in here in a few different ways. Okay. Uh, that makes it comparative. I would say this Puma issue, Spectacular Spider-Man Annual Number 7, is maybe a hair stronger than that, now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know if you'd agree with that or if you remember that one uh i don't think i've read that annual so right. i would say i will take your word for it i think you're all right um is there anything else in here you might want to defend okay do you think this is stronger or weaker than twas the fight before christmas which is a tangled web issue by bruce tim if i remember uh oh or was it um or is it Darwin it Cook? They, they have such similar styles. I think it was Cook that wrote that. You know, if I was looking at it, I could tell you, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Cook that wrote that. I would say that was probably... Mm, I kind of like it next to maybe Puma and Honeymoon. What okay. do you think? Do you think it's better than Twas the Fight Before Christmas? I'd put it a hair under. <laughs> okay, so why don't we put it at 38 then? Yeah, because I remember... I mean, I love Cook, but I don't think I particularly like that tingles web issue yeah it's not his strongest work at all yeah. um i'd actually say it's one of the weakest i it very much felt like a random job that he was churning out for the fun of it but not really yeah. putting a lot of effort into comparatively yeah although compared to his other works you know that's oh <laughs> uh, yeah I, I mean that's what you run into is like when you have a really solid writer and artist that you think of their really their top end stuff well and darwin even... cook you know spent so long on projects that like he didn't have you know yeah as much uh bloat as other creators all right so next time we'll be covering spectacular spider-man volume two number 14 mm-hmm and those who know that one ah uh... Uh, you're, I, I know some people this is like their favorite issue huh. uh, of Spider-Man well then so I'm sure there's going to be a few people that are excited and other people won't even know what it is so what a treat I don't know what it is I'll find out what a treat for you then <laughs> And then thank you everyone for listening. You can find us on the tweeters, Untold Talks SPMN, where we goof off about Spider-Man, a few other things. You can email us, Untold Talks of Spider-Man, all one big long email world word at Gmail. If you want to support the show, you can throw in a few bucks on Patreon. Links are in the doobly-doo for, you know, all the way from just, you know, saying thank you to getting colored exclusive art. So find your, find your fit. Mm -hmm. And also bonus content like Told Tales of Spider-Man where we cover more popular stories. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And a special thanks to the Ellie Badge. And until I show up at Dan Gavazdan's doorstep wearing only a trench coat and a torn up Spider-Man costume, make mine untold. <laughs>